Hello, and welcome to the Embassy City Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Now here's Pastor Tim. What's up, everybody? Merry Christmas early. Anybody um, excited about this season? This is literally my favorite season of the year. Um, Let me ask you this. Is everybody done shopping? Anybody still needs some shopping to do? We'll join the rest of us. <laughs> the thing is, we still have time. It ain't over until it's over, amen? And sometimes I like to surprise them on, on December 26th. <laughs> you didn't even know this was coming. <laughs> it's so good to be here. I'm so glad that you're here. If this is your first time here with us at Embassy City, we would like to say thank you so much for being with us. Please feel at home here. We do not believe that anybody is here on accident. But if you are here, it's because the Lord has drawn you here, which means he has a word for you. And I believe that this is the day that God does something special in your life. And somebody say amen. Amen. For those that are joining us online, thank you so much for being with us. Somebody make some crazy noise for the faith offering that's happening today. Come on now. I am so excited to see what the Lord's going to do. Let me tell you really quickly why we're doing this, because some people may ask, why are we doing a faith offering? Well, it's because God has done a lot through Embassy City this year. And in a couple of weeks, we're going to uh, do a little year recap. We're going to tell you about all the things that went down, some things that you know about, some things that you may not know about. But in anticipation for what God's getting ready to do in 2024, we are going to prepare ourselves by partnering with the Lord with our finances. And, and let me give you the biblical principle. Remember the story of Jesus and the 5,000 who were hungry? Jesus ministering, the 5,000 are getting hungry. Men, not counting women and children, so probably 15 to 20,000 people are there. They're hungry. Jesus could have, because he's the son of God, he could have said, I need 20,000 loaves of bread to drop right now. And I need, I need 20,000 uh, fish to drop out of the sky right now. He could have done it. But instead, what does Jesus do? He asked the disciples... What do we have? And the disciples said, well, we ain't got much, but there is a young boy who has brought an offering of two fish and five loaves of bread. Jesus takes the offering, blesses it, breaks it, multiplies it. That's not even my sermon, but this is good. And he he feeds through the disciples approximately 20,000 people. God can do a lot with what we give him in offerings. And so, this is a free will offering. No one is forced to participate. But if you prayed about it and the Lord has laid it on your heart, then there's a QR code that's popping up. You, You can go to that QR code, and if you're going to do it online, just select the tab that says faith offering. Now, we're all gonna... Our family is participating today, and I pray that you do as well. And here's the thing. God's going to take whatever comes in, and he is going to use it for his work. And I'm so glad that God has allowed us to be stewards of his resources. And somebody say amen. Come on, give God some praise in advance for what he's getting ready to do. 
couple more things that I got to announce. Next week is Christmas. Somebody say whoop whoop. Uh, again, if you haven't bought your gifts, you still got time. But we've got several options for services Saturday, uh, December 23rd at 6 p.m. And then Sunday, our regular service times, 9 and 11. Now, I have to, I have to tell you, if you're planning to be here at 6.15 on Saturday or 9.25 or 11.30, you're going to miss an amazing element that starts actually before the service time. And it's first come, first see. And I'm not even going to tell you what it is. Because you've got to be here to experience it. So you want to get here early, 30, 15 minutes early to experience it. And we've got a special couple of other elements that I'm very excited about that I'm also not going to tell you about. So be here for Christmas. Then the following week on the 31st, we will not have service. And then we kick off the year on January the 7th. It'll be my one-year pastoral anniversary, which I cannot. I made it! I can't wait um, to share with you. That's going to be a very special service. We're going we're gonna to do a recap of this year. It's going to be very special, so be there. And somebody say amen. amen. Grab your Bibles. We're going to the book of Luke chapter 1. The book of Luke chapter 1. Um, I have to tell you that if you follow the Advent calendar, you know that this is the third week of Advent. And the word Advent simply means coming. And the focus for the third week of Advent, which would be the third candle, is joy. And uh, a few weeks back, maybe a couple months back, I felt like the Lord really wanted me to focus in on the topic of rejoice as we're approaching Christmas. And I think it's very important for us as believers to understand that joy is a key component in the life of a believer. And I don't know if you've noticed this, but since 2020, when we had the COVID situation, I feel like one of the strategies of the enemy has been to rob the people of God of joy. And and we've been hyper-focused on the negative aspects of life. And I'm not saying you should ignore real issues in your life. One thing that that's highlighted is obviously the mental health crisis that's been around. It's highlighted various situations that people have been going through, loneliness, uh, self-harm, and that's all been brought to the surface. And I pray that if you're dealing with any of those things that you find help. And this is a church where we embrace everybody that's going through anything, and we want to help you on your journey. But don't get so caught up in the negative things of life that you miss out on the joy that God has available for you, even in the midst of trouble. This is a time of rejoicing because the Savior is born. But what do you do before the Savior is born? That's what we're going to talk about. Luke chapter 1, verse number 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. 
And he came to her and said, greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. I love how angels act like they ain't surprising people. (laughs) But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived the Son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing, somebody say nothing. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. This is the beginning of the story that leads to the birth of Christ. Jesus has not been born yet. Mary has not conceived yet. We don't have the story of the shepherds and the wise men. We don't have all the context of Christmas yet. This is going to come. But before the promise, there is a period of waiting. And the question is, what do you do while you wait for the fulfillment of God's promise? So today, my topic for the day is rejoice while waiting. Rejoice while waiting. God, we're so thankful for this season where we get to pause, reflect, and think of your goodness. It is the end of the year, and this presents us with a unique opportunity to think about all that has happened this year, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and recognize that you are still good. And so I pray, God, that we may not lose focus of the real reason for the season. Yes, we enjoy gifts. Yes, we enjoy the the festivities. Uh, But all this is possible because of you. And so help us to learn how to rejoice while we wait. Do what only you can do. Give us ears to hear, heart to receive, and a mind to understand your word. In Jesus' name, and everybody say amen. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, Neighbor. rejoice Rejoice. while you're waiting. waiting. Look at your other neighbor and say, neighbor, Neighbor. rejoice Rejoice. while you're waiting. waiting. (laughs) Um, it's, It's interesting to me that if you look at your life in general, you, you know that you have a lot of choices. Now, this is an evolution in your life because as a child, 
you don't have very many choices. You don't get to choose what you're going to wear. You don't get to choose. If you look at some of your baby pictures, you know this is the truth. (laughs) Why are you dressed up like a sailor? (laughs) You don't get to choose your parents. And and you for sure don't get to choose your siblings. (laughs) It just kind of happens. As a child, you don't have very many options But as you grow in maturity and as you get older, you are presented with more opportunities to make decisions that benefit you directly. You get to decide what car to drive. You get to decide what house to buy. You get to decide who you want to marry. At least who you thought you married at the time that you married them. (laughs) Surprise. I'm sorry, y'all. <laughs> I saw some of y'all muttering on your brother. Well, I, they sure enough changed. <laughs> you get to decide what you eat spiritually. Yeah. This is why I always think it's funny when, when someone uh, talks about a church and they say, I don't get fed there. A, uh, a pastor, his name is Sean Nepstead, said it like this. The only people that complain about not getting fed are babies. Right? Because as an adult, you get to decide what you eat. The Bible is available to everybody. Right? And, and, and it is incumbent upon you as a believer to make sure that you're on a healthy diet of the word of God, independent of what you hear on Sundays. Now, 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 hopefully you get a good word on Sunday, something that'll provoke some thoughts, something that the spirit is speaking to you, that you get to go home and indulge in more and more throughout the week. But, but as an adult, as a mature believer, you get to decide and make decisions. Now, if you grew up in the 90s, 2000s, or earlier than that, you know, you didn't have a lot of options. Like, as a child, I didn't have a lot of options for entertainment. We grew up in a household where we didn't have TV. We didn't, we didn't, our entertainment was, you had two options, stay inside or go outside. We had a, we had a PlayStation, but the only games we had were the demo games. So we were real good at levels one, two, and three, and then repeat. (laughs) So you either go outside and play, or you can play in here with whatever you got to play with, right? But nowadays, you have so many options that it's driving people crazy. In fact, there, there is a mental health crisis with too many decisions. Literally, they call this decision fatigue. Decision fatigue is a decision fatigue refers to the deteriorating quality of decisions made by an individual after a long session of decision making. <laughs> it's a real problem. Have you, have you been to, to the grocery store lately and looked at the cereal aisle? There is an entire aisle of different types of cereal. Have you, ever, have you ever gone to watch a movie or something? And first you gotta get through all the options for where movies are. Is it Hulu, Netflix, Disney Plus, Prime? 
if you got TV, you got a million channels to choose from, and then you have so many movie and TV options that you watch trailers for two and a half hours <laughs> until you just fall asleep looking at options. Anyone beside me? I get tired just watching the trailers. The problem is we got too many options, right? And, and, and here's, the, here's the thing. When you, when you have a lot of options, you end up making your decisions based on what gratifies you in the moment. So we tend to, it is, it is our human nature to make decisions based on what satisfies us the most in the moment. Have you ever made up your mind that you're going to order a certain dish when you go to Cheese Cake Factory? <laughs> then you look at the menu and then you're so overwhelmed by the decisions that you just end up getting chicken tenders anyways <laughs> and save room for a cheesecake at the end, right? Because we're inundated with so many decisions. And here's the thing, by nature, we tend to choose things that satisfy us in the moment. Ask Eve. Have you noticed that the enemy never comes to you with a proposition of delayed gratification? He never says, hey, listen, if you will participate in this sin, then six months from now, you're going to be sure glad that you did. He, he, he didn't come to Eve and say, hey, Eve, if you eat this fruit, I promise you in 18 months. <laughs> You're going to be as God's knowing good and evil. No, he said, as soon as you eat of this fruit, you will be as God's yourself knowing good and evil. When he came to Jesus, he said, I know that you're hungry right now. So why don't you turn these stones into bread? When Satan comes to tempt you, he tempts you with instant gratification. Most people, in fact, all sin is based on a problem that the church doesn't talk too much about, but we are going to, and it's called self-control. Now, we like to blame the devil, and we like to blame temptation, and we like to say it's this or that, but the reality is you participate in sin because you lack self-control. This ain't even in my message. But the fact of the matter is, if you can learn how to exercise self-control, you will live a more victorious life. Because Satan tempts us with instant gratification. And so we end up making decisions that are detrimental to our spiritual health based on what we want in the moment. Did you know that when you're hungry, you make the worst decisions about food? You know you have food to eat at the house, but you pass by the golden arches and something in your spirit says, them hot fries cannot be compared to any other. Is there a witness in the house? <laughs> McDonald's got the best fries. Come on, let's, let's admit it. Let's confess our sins that we may be healed. <laughs> but in the kingdom of God, it doesn't work that way. Because God will present you with a plan that has delayed gratification. God will ask for your yes before he gives you the promise. God will, God will do you one, he'll, he'll do you something good. He'll tell you what's going to happen. He'll tell you what's to come. But he wants a yes first. So, so, so he will tell you what's going to happen. He will tell you what's, what he wants to do in your life. He will tell you what he's going to implement in your life. He's not going to tell you when. He may not tell you how. But what he does want 
is a yes. You might have to deal with some difficulties by saying yes to God. You may have to go through some stuff because you said yes to God. Joy will come in the morning, but you're gonna have to endure the night. You're gonna have to make it through the night. We have the benefit, when we read the Bible, we have the benefit of knowing the whole story of the characters within the Bible, right? We, we, we can see the end of their life. We can see the end of the decisions that they made. We, we know that because they said yes, their end was good. But imagine being in the moment when God comes with a proposition. Imagine being Noah at the moment when God says, hey, build an ark. Because the rain is coming. And I'm sure that Noah said, all right, if God said it, I believe it. And so right now I'm about to go gather this wood. Year three comes, he ain't heard another word, and he ain't seen no rain. Year 10, still nothing. Year 15, year 50, year 75, no more words, no rain. How? Do you keep building? On a word that you heard 75 years ago. You're living off of social security right now. Your body don't feel the same. 100 years, it still ain't right. Then finally the rain comes. So the, the question is, what do you do? How do you build an ark while you're waiting? We can talk about Abraham. God says, hey, this is what's gonna happen. How do you continue to journey for years and the promise hadn't happened yet? Yeah. We can talk about David. How do you continue to play the harp for a person that's trying to kill you? When ringing in your ears, is the sound of the prophet telling you that you're supposed to be up there. How do you serve somebody that's trying to kill you when you know that you're gonna take their place? <laughs> I just talked about somebody's job right now. God's got you in a situation where you're serving the person that you're gonna end up being and God is testing you right now to see how well do you serve, how well can you submit. Oh Lord. It's a word for somebody. This is what Mary is dealing with in Luke chapter one. Because we love that at this time of the year, I'm about to mess up the song for some of y'all. We love to sing the song. Mary, did you know that your baby, baby boy? <laughs> right? And we go through all the scenarios that Jesus accomplished, feeding the 5,000. Mary, did you know? It's your bait, baby boy. <laughs> we get all emotional during that song, right? We're crying and, Mary, did you know? <laughs> right? We get all into the song, and if Mary could talk to us right now, she'd be like, <laughs> God, give me one opportunity to go down there and talk to these people and set the record straight. I did not know! <laughs> there, she has no context for what's going to happen. 
When the, the annunciation happened, it's easy to look at the annunciation and assume that Mary should be blessed and highly favored, that she should be running out in the streets. And, and when we look at all of the depictions of Mary's in the, in the cathedrals, we see her somber and calm as a 40-something-year-old mother draped with all types of stuff, and it looks so regal. But imagine being there at the moment when Gabriel comes to her and says, hey, listen, you've been picked for a special assignment. Now, Mary has to deal with a few problems. It's easy to skip through the story and just assume that she said yes, boom, she got pregnant, she gave birth to Jesus, everything was fine. But think about the condition that Mary was in when Gabriel came out of nowhere and interrupted her life with a plan from God. Number one, she was young. Now we always, we a lot of times read scripture from a 21st century view but in the first century, it was very common for young women to be betrothed at a very early age. So most historians and most commentators will agree that Mary was between the age of 12 and 14 when this message came to her. Now, we're not talking about a 21st century, 20-something, independent, strong, <laughs> self-sufficient woman who's got her own career, making her own decisions. This is a 21st century young teenage girl whose entire life is dictated by a patriarchal society, which is her dad. So number one, she is very young. Number two, she was betrothed. Now, we, we read betrothed, and, and really it can be, uh, today, in today's world, it's the same as being engaged, but the potency of betrothal was very different in that time than the engagement is now. All of us know somebody that broke off an engagement, or two, <laughs> right? Because it's like, no, I just learned some stuff about you I don't like, it's over. When you were betrothed or engaged in the Bible, which was usually like a 12-month period, it was contractual. It was as binding as being married. Meaning that if you were betrothed, the only way to get unbetrothed is to actually have a legal divorce. This is why Joseph, the Bible says, Joseph, when he found out she was pregnant, he would have divorced her privately because he was a righteous man. In other words, he wanted her to have another chance. And, and here's, here's another thing. She was a virgin. Which means that she was never, she had never been with another man. Could you imagine the conversation? <laughs> when Mary first told Joseph that she was pregnant? It wasn't like, hey Joseph, news for you, I'm pregnant. Most likely when she told Joseph, hey I'm pregnant, what's the first thing Joseph's going to ask? Who's that baby's daddy? <laughs> Tell me right near. Now this gets a little weird. 
Because Mary tells Joseph, there is no man. Now you're Joseph. You find out your fiance is pregnant. You, you, you want to find out who the guy is. And she says, there is no guy. <laughs> now you're questioning your decision to be betrothed to a crazy person. So you say, what do you mean? There's no guy. She says, an angel came to me. At this point, you know it's over. But you're curious. Well, what did the angel say? Well, specifically it was Gabriel. Okay. What did he say? Well, he said the baby is going to be the Messiah. Tell me more. How'd you end up pregnant? Holy Spirit. Okay. <laughs> I can't prove this through scripture, but I've, I've wondered if the reason why Joseph was actually going to divorce Mary privately wasn't because she was pregnant. I've wondered if the reason why he was going to divorce her is because he thought, I am engaged to a literal crazy person. <laughs> I'm being serious. And, and this is why the angel comes to Joseph and says, hey, yo, <laughs> now you're a crazy person. <laughs> because what Mary is telling you is actually true. Now, now, when Gabriel comes to Mary, he presents her with this proposition. Out of all the women that existed in the world at the time, you have found favor with God. And because you found favor with God, you are going to be with child and you will deliver the Messiah that has been prophesied about for hundreds of years. You have done nothing at all to deserve this, but you have been handpicked, hand-selected to deliver the deliverer. To give birth to the one who was there at creation. You're going to carry the savior of the world. You, 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 you're going to be the one who is going to carry within your womb the promised Messiah, the Christ. And this sounds like great news. And this sounds amazing. And this sounds tremendous, except for if you're Mary. Because you love the idea of the promise, but you know that the promise is going to cost you everything. Have you ever thought about the fact that if Mary said yes, then she, it would cost her her family? Do you realize that we have no mention at all of her family? We don't know who her mom or dad is. We don't know if she had siblings. Literally, there is no account in scripture or history of Mary's family. It's going to cost you your family. It's going to cost you your reputation because nobody is going to believe that you are pregnant by the Holy Spirit. It's, it's going to cost you your reputation. It's going to cost you, your, it could cost you your husband-to-be. In fact, it was going to cost you your husband-to-be if the angel didn't intervene. It's going to cost you your body. You are going to have to be pregnant. Some of y'all moms ought to be making some noise right now. Right? Have you ever been there? 
where God presents you with a proposition for a promise. And if you say yes, it's gonna cost you everything. Wow. It's, we, read, we read the story of Christmas in sequential order very quickly. Matthew, Luke, we read the story. Uh, you know, Gabriel comes, hey, you're, you're the chosen one. Mary gets pregnant, she delivers, and then we see the ministry of Jesus begin. And you can think that because you read it within two chapters that it was a quick story, but you have to realize that from the moment that Mary said yes until Jesus was born, there was nine months of waiting. So the question is, what do you do while you wait? When, you, when you're pregnant with a promise, when you're carrying the word of God, when God has put something in your life that you gotta take care of that nobody sees yet. But you said yes by faith. And because you said yes, it's costing you Everything. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Some of you, your relationship with God has cost you your family. Your decision to say yes to God has cost you your reputation with so-called friends. Your yes to God has cost you so much. And the question is, what do you do while you wait? And I love Mary's response. Mary's response, we can see this in Luke chapter 46, verse, uh, Luke chapter one, verse number 46, and this is called uh, the the Magnificat. This is called the Song of Mary. This is Mary's response. She went to her relative Elizabeth. She told Elizabeth about what was happening, and Elizabeth, she was pregnant with John, and John leapt in the womb because he was induced with the Holy Spirit when he found out that he was in proximity with Jesus. And so, so Elizabeth says, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb and why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me for behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Verse number 46, this is Mary's response. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant for behold from now on all generations will call me blessed for he who is mighty has done great things for me the holy and and holy is his name and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation he has shown strength with his arm he has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts he has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate and has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has set away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers and to Abraham, to his offspring forever. Can I tell you, Mary's response while she waited was to rejoice. She agreed to usher in Jesus and her agreement to partner with God was going to cost her a period of waiting that was very uncomfortable. But through the nervousness, through the anxiety, through the pressure, through the difficulties, through the embarrassment, through the waiting, she said, I will rejoice in the fact 
that even if I don't see it, I will rejoice in the fact that God handpicked me to be a promise bearer. How many of us are so caught up in the difficulties of carrying the promise that it's been a while since we rejoice at the fact that we're carrying a promise? Your feelings do not dictate the plan of God. The plan of God should dictate your feelings. I gotta say it again. Your feelings do not dictate the plan of God. The plan of God should dictate your feelings. The reality is that Mary decided that while I wait for the promise to come and while I wait for the fulfillment to take place and while I wait to give birth to the promise and while I wait for, for, for what Gabriel told me to come to pass, I will make a decision, a conscious effort to rejoice in the fact that God has given me a period of waiting with a promise. Joy is recognizing the goodness of God in the past, the present, and the future. Why is it that some people don't have joy? It's because they refuse to recognize the goodness of God in the past, the present, and the future. They are so caught up in the negative aspects of life that it's gonna ruin your Christmas. Because you're fussing about how long it takes to get the gifts. And you've been bumping into people at Walmart. And you can't stand Target because they ran out of the toy. And you can't find a parking spot at Costco. And you're going to be around your crazy family that you've been avoiding for the last 12 months. And if you're not careful, you will walk into this season burning down instead of realizing that it ain't about the gifts under the tree. And it's not about how nice your house is decorated. It's about the fact that Jesus Christ is the real reason for the season. And because he's the real reason for the season, I will make a conscious effort to rejoice in the fact that I'm a promise bearer and I will wait and I will rejoice at the same time. Oh, it's gonna deliver somebody. No matter your current circumstance, no matter how you feel, you can still decide to have joy in your life. That's the difference between happiness and joy. A lot of people use those simultaneously or interchangeably. Here's the fact. Happiness is not the same as joy. Happiness is based on what is happening. And so you see them up one day and then down the next based on what is happening in their life. Happiness is based on what is going on. Joy is based on who's going on. Joy is not predicated on what is happening in your life. Joy is based on who's in your life. This is the reason why Israel didn't make it to the promised land. Because they forgot who had their back the whole time. When Israel gets to the promised land, they had no joy. Remember, joy is recognizing the goodness of God, past, present, and future. When they get to the promised land, all joy goes out the window. What do they, why do they say they can't go to the promised land? 
We feel like grasshoppers. There are giants in the land. They moved to what was going on instead of who was going on. The God who brought plagues into Egypt. The God who split the Red Sea. The God who brought you quail and manna in the desert. The God who made water come from a rock. The God who healed your body. The God who brought you to the promised land. The God who said, I'm taking you to a land flowing with milk and honey. And now your eyes are literally seeing the promised land. And while you wait, you made the decision to focus on what? Instead of who? And it ruined the fulfillment of your promise. Joy is a choice. Joy is a choice. You get to choose whether you have joy in your life or not. So, how do you choose joy? Somebody asked me. I'm glad you asked. Number one, if you're taking notes, write this down. It's mind over matter. Romans chapter Eight, verse number five. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If in fact the spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. What you think about is what you become. Regardless of the facts in your life, what you, what you tend to spend most of your time thinking about is what you end up becoming. If you think you're a loser, you will start becoming and acting that out, even though you're not. It's mind over matter. Where is your mind right now? Mary, where is your mind right now? Is is it on the fact that you're a teenage girl pregnant out of wedlock? Or is it on the fact that you're a promise bearer? Because where, where your mind is is where your body will follow. The word mind here is the, is the Greek word phreneo, which has both a visceral, which means internal, and cognitive connotation, meaning it's internal and it's mental. So to mind the things of the spirit means to actively feel and think from the perspective of heaven, which means that you lead your thoughts how God wants you to think, and you lead your feelings. I'm just teaching y'all. Mary, this is what Mary said. My response to this situation, I know I'm going to be pregnant for a while. I know this is going to be difficult, but she makes the conscious decision. She says, my soul magnifies the Lord. My, my soul magnifies the Lord. The word soul is the immaterial part of a person, which is the actuating cause of an individual's life. It's the site of the psychological faculties. We're talking about the heart, the mind, and the conscience. In other words, when you decide, woo, 
to actually rejoice in the Lord, what you are telling yourself and everybody else is that from the innermost part of my body, from my soul, from my mind, my emotions and my conscience, I choose joy over everything. In spite of my circumstance, in spite of what's going wrong, I choose to rejoice in the, my soul doth magnify the Lord. Magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I can promise you, you will make it through this difficult holiday season if you choose to magnify the Lord in your soul. And I promise you, if you start magnifying God in your soul, it won't be long until... It'll get in your hands. It'll get in your feet. You know why? Because when you make the conscious decision to magnify the Lord in your soul, and she says, I will rejoice. My spirit will rejoice in the Lord. It has to come from the inside. Oh, my Lord. Don't be dictated by external circumstances. Can I promise you, you're going to have a waiting period if you've got a promise in your life. Joy is a state of mind, not a state of being. You get to decide what you think about. The devil, if you look at the story of Job, he asked permission from God. Hey, can I inflict some serious hurt on this dude? God says, go ahead. He'll take a licking and keep on ticking. So he affects everything external. The only thing he could not touch. <laughs> he says, you can't get to his insides. Number two, count it all joy. James chapter one, verse number two. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials <laughs> of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. I love how James says this. He says, Count it all joy, my brothers and sisters. When you meet trials of, have you ever met somebody? What happens when you meet somebody? You generally introduce yourself. And you say, hi, my name is Tim. Nice to meet you. James says, go ahead and introduce yourself to trials because you're about to meet them. Some of y'all think that this just happened out of nowhere. No? You about to meet some trials. Brothers and sisters, let me tell you, your life as a Christian is not going to be easy. And anybody who told you that, find them. Hunt them down. You will Go through trials. He didn't say if. He said when. Trials are meant to test your faith. Because faith that isn't tested can't be trusted. Okay. Faith that isn't tested can't be trusted. Your faith your ability to believe that God tells the truth will be tested through trials. And what do you do during the testing phase? 
you count it all joy. That means that when you're in the hospital bed, oh God, and you're being, your faith in God is being tested, James says, count it all joy. What is joy? Recognizing the goodness of God, past, present, and future. That means that while I'm going through chemo, I can choose to recognize the goodness of God past, present, and future, that while my body is sick, my soul magnifies the Lord. Oh, God. That when I'm going through a situation, while I'm waiting for the fulfillment of the promise, and my body is racked with pain, and my mind is under attack, and my family's acting crazy, I can still choose to magnify the Lord. I choose joy in the middle of my circumstance. Ooh, count it all joy, he says. You know what the word count means? <laughs> All the time. Hey, when you go through your trial, when you go through your, your hey, let me tell you, this is, I'm about to help somebody right now. This is a million dollar presentation. <laughs> when you go to Christmas and you introduce yourself to that family member again that's been getting on your last nerves, and when they start doing their little thing, I dare you to just under your breath <laughs> start counting all the ways that the Lord's been good to you. God, I got to deal with this person, but I remember back in 2011 when you made sure that I didn't die in that car wreck. I thank you, God, that you saved me. November 17th, 1996, I thank you that you called me. into the. You just go down the list of all the times that God has been good to you, and I promise you what they're doing will not faze you because you choose to count it all joy in the midst of your circumstance. That's exactly what Mary did. She goes down the list and starts counting of all the ways that God's been good. She says, so behold, now all generations shall call me blessed. The mighty, for all the mighty and great things that you've done. Holy is his name, mercy. Generations to generations, his strength shall endure. She goes to and she counts it all joy. Here's the third and final one. Rejoice. Rejoice. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord sometimes. Again, I say. Well, let me say it again. Rejoice in the Lord when things are good. Re- rejoice in the Lord when you get what you asked for for Christmas. Rejoice in the Lord because it's all working out for your good. Rejoice in the Lord always. Y'all know what always means? In all the ways. Always means always. Rejoice in the Lord, not in your circumstance, not in your situations, not in what's going right or what's going wrong. Rejoice, don't rejoice in material things. Oh God. Rejoice in the Lord. You know you can always rejoice in the Lord? Why? Because he does not change. He is consistent. 
He's the ever-present help in the time of trouble. He's the lily of the valley. He's the bright and morning star. He's the alpha and omega. He's the beginning and the end. He's the fairest of 10,000. He was, he is, and he shall come. He is El Shaddai. He is my provider when I'm hungry. He's my water when I'm thirsty. He's my food when I'm hungry. He's my friend when I'm lonely. He's my direction when I'm lost. He's everything to me so I can always rejoice. You know what the word rejoice means? The word rejoice means literally to (laughs) re-enjoy. Rejoice literally means to re-enjoy. Paul is writing this while he's in prison awaiting execution. (laughs) How can you be in this condition and write to the church and tell them, Yo, it's all good. And I'm encouraging you to re-enjoy yourself in the Lord. When was the last time you simply just re-enjoyed yourself in the Lord? I'm not talking about circumstances. I'm not talking about what's right. I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about anything external. I'm talking about when was the last time you just said, God, I really enjoy my relationship with you. The fact that you saved me, the fact that you picked me, billion people in the world you look down and you saw me and you said Tim Rivers you found favor with the Lord out of all the people I pick you to be a promise bearer something in you that's going to affect other people. When was the last time you just thought about the simple fact that you were chosen by God? Mary. Well, the promise hasn't happened yet. It don't matter. I'm handpicked. I choose to rejoice in my waiting. How long is the wait? Every morning that I wake up, I choose to re-enjoy myself in the Lord. We're going to talk about Christmas next week. But the Savior ain't born yet. Some of y'all, y'all are in the period of waiting. You're in the nine months of pregnancy, as it were, where the Lord has given you some promises and you're trying to figure out, what do I do while I wait? The Lord sent me here to tell you, Rejoice 
re-enjoy yourself in the Lord. My circumstance hadn't changed. It don't matter. Because I promise you, if God said it's gonna happen, it will happen. Re-enjoy yourself. A joyful person is lethal. Somebody write that down. A joyful person is lethal. Why? Have you ever met this person? Oh, got a smile on their face. And they get on your last nerves. Because you're like, I'm, I'm kind of happy for you. But I need you to get in this well with me. Somehow that person has figured out to rejoice. That should be all of us. I'm not saying you gotta be fake. That's why it says rejoice in the Lord. Right? It's okay to cry if your house is on fire. Right? I understand that this is a difficult time for many people. I'm not trying to diminish that at all. I'm simply bringing to the surface the fact that even though this may be a difficult time for you, you can still rejoice in the Lord knowing that he's still a good God. He's still faithful. He's still good. He's still holy. He's still righteous. And guess what? He's still coming. I rejoice in the fact that he's coming again. Dear Jesus, we are so thankful for this season, this time that we get to just pause and reflect. And I pray that as we do so, we would learn the secret of rejoicing while we wait. Regardless of circumstances, regardless of situations in our life, I pray for all those who have to deal with difficulties during this holiday season. I pray for their strength, but I also pray for their fortitude to choose joy. And so we give your name the praise and the glory because of what you've done and what you're getting ready to do. It's in your name that we pray. In Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. Thanks for listening today. If this message spoke to you in any way, please subscribe in your favorite podcast app and leave a review too. We would like to connect with you. For past messages, updates, and more, please visit embassycity.com. You can watch live on Sundays and view past messages on our YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash Church. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Embassy Irving. If you'd like to support more of what we're doing, you can give online at embassycity.com or text embassycity, all one word, to 77977. We pray you have a great week. Thanks for listening today.